In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com to get 5% off your first purchase with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for 5% off your first purchase. Betches Media presents... Madam Speaker... Madam Vice President. You want to hang out with us? You get your vaccine. Vaccine, vaccine. And so I went to Human Resources. There are some things I just can't tell you uh, on air. The Betches Sup Podcast. A woman's problem, if you will. Hello, hello. I'm Amanda Duberman. I'm Elise Morales. And I'm Millie Tamaris. And this is the Betches Sup Podcast, where C-SPAN meets the group chat to help you process and laugh at the biggest topics in U.S. news and politics. It's Pop Culture Thursday, so that's that's where I'm going to start. And I think there is some synergy here because the planet cooled down a few degrees yesterday after Lisa Bonet and Jason Momoa announced their split. While this is disappointing to their fans, it is probably a relief to Mother Earth, who was, I would imagine, becoming increasingly incinerated just from their joint hotness. It was just too much for even them to handle, apparently. Yeah, they were... And are, and separately, extremely beautiful people. <laughs> They're going to be fine. There was like an award show, and I forgot what family, but they were like, this is the hottest family, and it was some white family. But then like, like minutes later, I forgot what, you know, whatever. Minutes later, it was like Lenny Kravitz, Lisa Bonet, Jason Momoa, Zoe Kravitz, all white carpet. And I'm like, I would sleep with any of them. <laughs> I know that's true. I do hope this means that we will still see like really friendly pictures of Lenny Kravitz and Jason Momoa. I hope they can stay friends. As a a woman in my 30s, porn is different, right? And if you want to see some good 30 year old porn, like, so there's a video, like, I think it's like architecture. The best thing about this is that we're, we're sort of slightly losing your video, Millie. And we're just, it's funny to hear you perv out just via audio about (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) You're good. You're good. So for our second headline today, Elise, I texted you this yesterday. I think I figured out why we haven't gotten COVID. I think I figured it out. A lot of people sent me this. Thank you to everyone who sent me this. (laughs) I didn't even think of that. Oh, I'm so sorry. And then Sammy, Mary, I I sent it to you and Sammy, who also hasn't gotten COVID for maybe this reason. But a new study out this week reveals that chemicals present in cannabis may blunt the impact of the virus that causes COVID-19. Oh, thank you, man. It really put the scientists in high spirits. And I do want to let you know that this was a joint effort between two universities. Amanda! But the evidence isn't conclusive, so I would suggest waiting to exhale. This has been the Betches. Betches. <laughs> and that's the last episode ever. <laughs> Sounds like I, I maybe uh, partook before we got going. But scientists at a pair of Oregon universities did find that two acids present in hemp can block the virus that causes COVID from entering human cells. I mean, this is pretty metal. Like, they literally block the spike protein. Like, I feel like for two years we've heard, like, ah, 
spike protein. And that's what's made this so terrible. But the two compounds that I can't pronounce, but sadly do know that they are not the fun ones or the most fun ones, not THC. Uh, they bind to the spike proteins. They make it harder for the virus to infect the cells. So this basically just happened in a Petri dish with human cells. And scientists caution that the study doesn't prove that weed prevents COVID, sadly, which Sammy mm. said immediately when I sent this. Uh, they still need to test it in animals and then actual humans. So they reiterate specifically, a scientist said that this does not mean that smoking weed with THC will keep you safe from COVID. But I challenge them, are they sure that it doesn't keep you safe from COVID? I know that it keeps me in Can't my home. Hurt. <laughs> That's one thing. It, it keeps me it keeps me from going out and getting COVID for sure. I mean, listen, all I'm going to say is if the, once they move to the human trials, if they need someone <laughs> oh my God. to help them. You're out here. So. We're already in the trial. We're already in the trial. I mean, they, that is just, true. If they want to take my blood. I will. I will go anywhere. But I just what stood out to this is this is definitely like a small study, very small amount of evidence, hopefully promising. But it is still more evidence we have that are ant than anti-vaxxers have to drink urine or bleach. <laughs> or oh, well, girl. Like, literally a study is like, yo, maybe just smoke a little weed. And they're like, no, that's a Democratic agenda. We're going to drink our piss and horse pace. Hey, American Fever Dream listeners, I'm here to tell you that there is no reason to panic the next time you're searching for the perfect gift. Because now you can use gift mode on Etsy. Gift Mode on Etsy is here to take the stress out of gifting so you can find the perfect item for anyone for any occasion. And it's easy. You just tap or click Gift Mode in your Etsy app or Etsy.com and then answer a few questions about who you're shopping for and what they like. And Gift Mode instantly gives you a curated gift idea list based on hundreds of personas. Now it is simple to find gifts made by independent sellers for all the people in your life. So whether you need a Mother's Day gift for the quilter or a birthday present for the vintage hunter, there is something for everyone on Etsy. Some of my favorite things to do are go to Etsy gift mode and then search absurd things like what kind of gifts do you have with Walter Cronkite on them? What kind of gifts do you have for dachshund owners? There's jewelry, ceramic, toys, board games, all kinds of fun stuff. A gifting moment is always right around the corner, whether it's a birthday, an anniversary, a holiday, or even just a day to say thank you. Gift mode on Etsy has you covered. Need to find the perfect gift? Don't panic. Try gift mode on Etsy now. Today's episode of American Fever Dream is brought to you by Newly. Have you ever felt that fast fashion ick, but can't always afford the super high-end stuff? I have a solution for you. It's Newly. Newly has everything you need to bring your closet up to speed for the season without breaking the bank. Free your closet of impulse purchases and skip the buyer's remorse by renting instead. Newly is a subscription rental service, and for just $98 a month, you get your choice of any six styles. They also have inclusive sizing up to 5X, as well as petite and maternity. You get fast, free shipping and returns and professional cleaning and newly state-of-the-art laundering facility. No laundry for you to worry about. This is the best. You just put it back in your box, send it out, and before you know it, you've got your next one. And you always have the option to buy what you love for sometimes up to 75% off. I bought the Rachel Antonoff pasta puffer from them. I was obsessed with it, like everybody who tries it is, and it was completely sold out everywhere else. So I felt like I really, really had an in there. So thank you, Newly. Newly is an amazing value at $98 a month for any six styles. And right now you can get $20 off your first month of Newly when you sign up with the code FeverDream20. Just go to N-U-U-L-Y.com. That's newly with two U's and enter the code FeverDream20 and sign up to get $20 off your first month. That's N-U-U-L-Y.com, newly with two U's with code FeverDream20. Newly subscription clothing rental, change your clothes. 
So as I said at the top, today is Pop Culture Thursdays. If you're a new listener, you've noticed we're pretty focused on politics and politics-related matters here. But since the former guy left office, we don't have as many five-alarm fires every day. We've got at least one or two for sure, but we don't have as many as we used to. So we've taken a bit more room to discuss broader issues in feminism and pop culture because, of course, the personal is political. And by the way, if you are a new listener and you're enjoying the show, please tell your friends. It's the best way we can grow. We are really excited for this year and we want to do some big things and we want to be able to do it with a big audience. So please recommend it's the biggest thing that can help us. But now we will get to Britney Spears. We have definitely been on that free Britney beat, and the path to ending her conservatorship exposed decades of trauma involving Britney's entire family. So yesterday, Jamie Lynn Spears, who's 30 now with two kids, went on Good Morning America for what I think was considered sort of her biggest kind of interview yet. It was only about 10 minutes. I was surprised with the the news coverage. I thought it was going to be like a 60-minute affair. But she did so tied to a memoir she's releasing titled Things I Should Have Said. Now, according to the interview, the book details childhood turmoil and how Jamie Spears' alcohol abuse impacted the family. Let's listen to a clip. She also describes the close bond she shared with her sister, who was 10 years older. I felt like she was another mama. Jamie Lynn says as the years passed, she noticed Brittany's behavior begin to change. Words that you've used in the book to describe her behavior over your lifetime was erratic, paranoid, spiraling. How do you see your sister's state of mind currently? I can't really speak to anyone else's state of mind. I don't think that's fair. But I'm allowed to say how I felt in those because that matters. So Brittany is, as that clip mentioned, 10 years older than Jamie Lynn, who said she relied on Brittany as a kind of another mother figure during that period. As you heard, she describes Brittany's behavior prior to the conservatorship in pretty stark terms that some people have had some some issues with that characterization and if it's if it's uh, stigmatizing to people with mental health issues. The conservatorship was put into effect when Jamie Lynn was 17 and about to have a baby. She got pregnant at 16 and she writes in the book that when she became pregnant during some of Brittany's earlier turmoil, the whole Spears family and just broader Spears like operation just wanted it to go away and Jamie Lynn was sent to a remote cabin and not allowed to talk to anybody as a pregnant 16-year-old. She said any role that she had in the conservatorship or benefit she got from it was accidental and that she never acted in a way to benefit from it or preserve it. In fact, she said that she went out of her way to get Brittany information she needed to potentially end the conservatorship, but suggested that Brittany just like wouldn't. Her words were, you can't make somebody walk through the door. But Jamie Lynn also said she didn't understand what the conservatorship was at 17 and suggested she still didn't understand. um, But other parts suggest that, you know, she did. So she's really getting roasted for this interview. Um. She's been encouraged to speak out more strongly in support of her sister in the past, but people are saying now she's only coming forward when she's about to sell a book. Brittany has previously said that no one in her family did anything to help her get out of the abusive agreement, and they actually tried to make money off Brittany's name that she couldn't herself. So why do you think there's so much anger directed at Amy Lynn or Jamie Lynn, and is that anger fair? Um, I feel like... Number one, I think that people are just not interested in hearing from Jamie Lynn at this moment. I think people are still really, I think people are still seeking justice about the conservatorship situation in general. Like, people still are waiting to see Jamie Spears, like, face consequence for his actions. 
Um, I think it hits people the wrong way that it is tied to the release of a book and that that book is called Things I Should Have Said. Like, I feel like she's kind of inviting people to remember that she should have done other stuff. Um, And then I also, I do have compassion for her in that, like, yeah, I do think that, you know, obviously they grew up with an alcoholic father. That is a traumatic experience in general. I do... I completely understand the idea of her at 17 going through what she was going through, not knowing what the conservatorship was. Mm -hmm. And like, I know that she described Britney as like erratic and stuff. I get a 17 year old being like, that's what it seems like to her in that moment. But Mm -hmm. the question still remains like how she could at 30 still not know what it is. Like, and also I don't know. She says a lot of stuff in the interview about how she was always trying to help Britney. But if that's the case, why did Britney say she wants to sue you? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Right. Like, I don't understand why Britney's so mad at you then. And I think that's where a lot of the anger is coming from, is that Britney's fans are obviously very intense and they have been uh, proven right about about how wronged Britney has been. So I think they're just sort of like, if Britney is saying that this this happened, one thing I know that Britney was, was really upset about was, I think maybe 2016, Jamie Lynn did a performance that was like a medley of some of Britney Spears' songs, and that really angered Britney. Um, so that came up in, in the interview, and I don't know if that angered fans too, but why, why do you think that was like yeah. such a triggering moment for their relationship? Well, because it was like Britney was, I don't think she was complying in the way or something like that. And and then said they're like, okay, well, we'll have Jamie Lynn do it. Mm. And it kind of embarrassed Britney and it made her angry. That's just kind of my thing. Like, I think Elise's hit the nail on the head with like, what happened to Britney was so egregious. And we're just like, we're just as fans and as you mm-hmm. know whatever getting used to the getting used to her new reality of like her sharing stories about going to the mall and buying socks and like sharing nudes and all that stuff you know so uh, yeah now's not the time like we don't want to hear like maybe a few years after or something but this all just happened in november when she got like right. out of the conservatorship so it, it's really crazy that like it hasn't even been six months and you're already selling books and but I also understand that like yeah when you're 17 and someone's 10 years older than you I have sisters that are 10 years older than me and the relationship is goes back and forth and when you're you know you're growing up and you're getting your bases around the world and then you see your your sister who's like already gone through it's just interesting so I can understand that and like being fed lies and like also her parents sending her way at a cabin like that's pretty fucked up too you know like they're not like separate but I guess that I guess the thing is like yeah she was 17 then she's 30 now even if she wasn't initially like informed which I totally understand there was just uh, the free Britney people have been talking about this for at least four years if not more like there's always been stuff so it's like she could have jumped ship a long time ago or been one of the first people or been one of the second people the second New York New York Times documentary was all people who um, was, who were influenced by the first one and Jamie Lynn could have been involved with that but you know it is like 
everyone stood to benefit from this situation. So, yeah. like, it's hard to feel compassion for her. Yeah. I also, at the same time, like, all of that is kind of true. But I think if I were her and I was, like, making a rational kind of calculation of all of my options and how people might react, like, I don't know. She had no... I, I really think what she said in that interview is important when she's like, I have, what happened to me matters too. She obviously had a super chaotic upbringing and how she seemed to handle it as an adult is not perfect, but I'm reminded of like hurt people, hurt people. And like, she got pregnant at 17. It sounds like both of the Spears parents weren't like the most, nat like the, the best parents at all times. So Brittany was that figure. And then obviously went through a lot and was not, was not as stable. So, and then also like she talks about in this interview, like I didn't know that Jamie Lynn's daughter, like almost died, was drowning for like six minutes apparently. So like she's gone through a lot. I see how, I mean, the book timing is interesting because part of me is like, are you just releasing this book now? Because now you need more income, but I don't think she was profiting really off of Britney's kind of like estate, but they all were in tacit ways. Like there are pictures yeah. of all of them vacationing at Britney's homes when she, we find out later that she was sort of like pent up somewhere. But it does just make me nervous about how this is going to play out publicly because as, as happy as we are all, all are that Britney is free and not under this conservatorship. Like, do I think she's making the best decisions with her social media? Like, no, but not everybody does. And we don't get to take yeah, our rights taken away. She's to post her but, weird right, dancing right. videos. I, 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 I do oh, yeah, think it's okay hits. to question. I don't know. Like, are you allowed to question uh, Britney's, Britney's interpretation of events at all anymore? I guess is, is the question I had. Well, I mean, I, I do think there's a world where maybe like she is just extremely angry at her family and there's more nuance to the situation. But at the same time, I do feel like she explicitly like said, I want to sue my entire family. Right. <laughs> and uh, she did not exclude Jamie from Jamie Lynn from that. And to me, I don't, I think to me, it's like we need to hear more from Brittany right now. We don't need to yeah. hear more from her entire family because her Jamie Lynn isn't the person who was silenced throughout this entire time or the person who couldn't say what she wanted or anything at all like like Brittany was. So I yeah, I'm just not as sympathetic to this. I like Jamie Lynn could have it's called things I should have said because Jamie Lynn could have said any of this stuff for a really, really long time. Yeah. And and yeah, just thinking about like the whole reason the conservatorship went up is because Britney was spending a lot of time with Sam and that one guy who was like manipulating her and like put himself in the middleman and all that stuff. And then when I was reading stuff about that guy, he was like, yeah, she liked hanging out with me because mm -hmm. I would tell her, yeah, you deserve to get this car or you should, you know what I mean? He would kind of enable her in a different way that like, so it's like tough because it's like, oh, Sam, the family's painted Sam as the bad guy and the family as the good people. But then Sam was like, I was only able to get in because I gave her freedoms that other, that her family would never let her do. So it's tough. It's like, there is no right or wrong. You know, I mean, there's clearly yeah. wrong. There's clearly wrong. And there's very little right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, like, 
you should not trap someone and like not let them make them get an IUD and all that. But also like the escal, you know, that came from somewhere. I think deep down at some point at the beginning, maybe they thought they were doing what was best for her. But it's tough. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I think you're right. I think it's just like, like you said, Millie. We can think of so many like really people like sisters are tough they can be tough sister relationships can be tough especially with age differences and especially when you've had that kind of upbringing and then something really traumatic happened in adulthood to both of them like i'm sure like becoming a mom at 16 like i'm sure as much attention as like i think of myself from that age and you know my sister didn't have a kid at 16 so she probably could have been there for me a lot more had i gone through something um, but like I can see how well, she was also like she had to like give up a career in entertainment because of that and all yeah. that stuff. Like she was being yeah, really how was she going to make money? She was a Disney Channel star. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or Nickelodeon, I believe. Nickelodeon, right. sorry, yeah. <laughs> she was a, but like I thought it was Disney, but like because they didn't want her, like she couldn't do anything anymore because it tarnished the brand. To me, you know, what I've heard is, like, the age you get famous is the age you, like, stop developing mentally. Right, yeah. But I just wonder how your mental development is when your sister is the biggest pop star in the world. Like, she did... It's not like she had a normal childhood upbringing and got pregnant at 16 or 17. She was always going on tours, always doing this shit. And then, on top of that, her parents made her a child star... And on top of that, she got pregnant at 16, 17. Right. So, yeah, shit's rough. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, I, I think her, the, I wonder if the Britney fan should, like, maybe give her a bit of a break. But it is, like you said, I think it's the the mix, like you said, Elise, of, like, we don't really need to hear from her right now, especially when we really wanted to hear from her before. And it sounded like Britney really could have benefit from hearing more. Um, but unfortunately, that didn't happen. We have a few more minutes today. So I'm going to reference another story that I wanted to talk about today, which is one of our favorite most lowest subject which is the joe rogan podcast i don't know if you guys saw this but this morning so more than 260 doctors nurses scientists and health professionals wrote an open letter to spotify and called on the streaming service to implement a misinformation Hmm. policy specifically for his podcast because it has a quote concerning history of broadcasting information particularly regarding covid19 pandemic which is you know a fact they specifically highlighted a december 31st episode when i guess he had a discredited scientist on named robert Malone, who promoted Mm -hmm. an upcoming anti-vaccine rally. Don't don't promote rallies anymore, people that (laughs) angry people are going to be at. That's not a good idea. (laughs) Yeah, we definitely don't need (laughs) rallies are over in 2022. But (laughs) just kidding. Not for good good reason. Apparently Spotify (laughs) does not have as robust of a misinformation policy. And that episode itself got 11 million listens. I mean, his Ah. podcast is one of the biggest... And, like, I don't know, if you don't know podcasts, like, that man makes so much money off of, I mean, he, he made $100 million so to go money. to Spotify, his team, uh, to spread misinformation. So it's like, this is a this is a concept that we talk about a lot on this podcast as as creatives who do not spend, spend <laughs> who follow the rules and do not spew misinformation yeah. to see men benefit from uh, violating the rules and breaking the rules and the standard and being different. And we get about 11 million downloads, I think we get about right? 10, about 10 million. 10 million so million <laughs> just under... 
<laughs> yeah, for one I mean, episode. With episodes with all the hosts, with, yeah, yeah. With all the hosts we get about our 11 million. Yeah, I'm not supposed uh, to share that. Uh, <laughs> we're going to have somebody right. we're in our inbox Sorry, later. Sorry, the data. Uh, no, but remember what we said earlier that we you don't tell have your to friends bleep. about the podcast? <laughs> Definitely tell your friends about the podcast. <laughs> yeah, no, please. But, we need, we need yeah. to get to that 11 millionth listener. But um, yeah, I mean, I'm glad that he is finally being being held accountable it's like if you're gonna do like we always say if you're gonna break the rules there's gonna be consequences maybe you don't get i don't know i'm i don't know it pisses me off that spotify does nothing it's really really dark well i mean if if they're if they're gonna have an explicit content flag then you can at least have like right. a misinformation flag and i do think it's interesting to say that, like, a service like Spotify is responsible for the stuff that it hosts in the way that, like, we're trying to hold, like, Twitter or Facebook accountable for the stuff that they mm-hmm. post up. Like, that that's an interesting uh, principle to test because I don't think we've gone there before with, like, True. these tech companies saying, like, okay, actually, like you're responsible for ho- like Apple podcast is responsible for things it hosts on there the way like like the iTunes store is held responsible for stuff that's on the store like mm-hmm. Facebook is yeah. now being marginally held responsible for stuff that's on its platform Twitter and stuff and such so it is it makes sense to say the same standard applies to Spotify yeah and I think it's especially when Spotify literally like that it's not just like oh it's just this random podcast that we let stream like you you bought it you make money off of not yeah. of not of not censoring it they made like a, a serious investment in it um, publicly, too. And I think that this is, you know, a step in the direction that I feel like politics will t- be taking in the next 10, 15 years as more millennials are becoming more politicians is that, you know, I think that people view the tech industry as this complete or I'm sure the guys who are in the tech industry view tech as unbiased or un or like free market and all this stuff. And we're seeing again and again that one, that's not true. Two, you need to regulate it. And three, um, unregulating it has terrible consequences. Mm-hmm. We've seen this for YouTube with radicalization because they are making things to make profit and it's dangerous so but the problem that we've been having is that a lot of politicians are geriatrics don't understand (laughs) platforms don't understand you know how things function every time they try to there's a hearing about facebook or some tech company it's the most cringeworthy shit (laughs) we've ever seen (laughs) so as we get more and more younger uh politicians we are moving in this direction of like what are the legal consequences what is the regulation that needs to happen because if y'all are not going to regulate yourselves like for example um you know this is advertising stuff but like liquor companies are self-regulated they're super strict and they're self-regulated they don't have as many restrictions as tobacco but because of that because they're self-regulated they're very careful to cross not cross any lines but um there's nothing like that for social media Mm -hmm. at the moment so it's it's interesting to see first of all it's fucking doctors had to team up Mm -hmm. because if any one doctor said anything negative about joe rogan on any social media platform their fans would attack 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 it's really crazy that's so true and fucked up yeah it's so fucked up it's just like this one comedian last week um said like what the you know literally was just like what the fuck joe rogan 
you're spreading misinformation and you're bad at comedy, whatever. <laughs> and these people have been calling yeah. him obese for the past two weeks. Yeah, crazy, crazy shit. So I'm like, yeah, if I'm a doctor, like, you know, I'm going to team up with 300 other people and fucking hide my name. But like, still, like, if 11 million people are listening to this as we're fighting against variant after variant, like, I don't know. Yeah. So I'm excited about people standing up against Joe Rogan. I'm also excited about where this is taking us to like yeah we need to regulate social media unfortunately because yeah. obviously y'all don't have the ethics and it doesn't behoove y'all financially to give a fuck about no, the effects of your products well definitely like we said make sure to send a friend this link today on Spotify <laughs> so we can hit our 11 millionth uh, listen for the day <laughs> yeah we're just shy of 11 just shy. million just, just shy listen. Uh, if I had, if we had a quarter of Joe Rogan money, I get, I get my dog, I get dog food at the dollar store. So I'm just saying, Joe truly. Rogan does not. Yeah, Joe Rogan's getting his medicine at the dollar store in the horse pen section. If we had Joe Rogan money, then, uh, then we could see Millie right now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway, that is our show. We'll be back uh, next week. We will have an episode for you on Monday, MLK Day. Until the end of Democracy, I'm Amanda Duberman. I'm Elise Morales. And I'm Millie Tamaris. And this is the Betches Up Podcast. Bye. The Betches Sub Podcast is produced by Amanda Duberman, Jorge Morales Pico, and Sean Kilby. Editing by Jorge Morales Pico. Social media by Amanda Duberman. Be sure to follow at Betches underscore SUP on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. And send us your emails to SUPPod at Betches.com. Betches.